0: This summer, Becca and Brianna went with uh, my mother and father-in-law to Washington, D.C. for a long weekend. They wanted to go and see all of um, the sites there. Becca wanted to make this trip with her father and has for some years. He used to be stationed in um, Quantico, Virginia, in the Marine Corps, and he wanted to take Becca to all of his favorite sites. They had a wonderful trip together. But that meant that Dad and the boys were home for a few days together, and when the cat's away, the mice will play, right? And so we had a lot of fun. Um, And Noah, in particular, during that three-day stretch, wanted to binge watch the Home Alone movies in the middle of the summer. Go figure. Uh, He saw it on Disney Plus, and he said, can we watch that? Can we watch that? I think something about a character around his age, give or take, um, who's left home alone was just intriguing to him, right? And I noticed something in the first Home Alone, a scene jumped out at me that I had never really considered before. And it, I was reminded of it when Noah and I watched Home Alone, the original, again this, uh, this past week. It's, it's actually seasonally appropriate to do so now, right? Being um, late November. And it's the scene where the family goes to bed at night. It's in the very beginning of the movie. The house is full. All of these relatives, cousins, aunts, uncles, uh, Kevin is sent up to the attic, right? You know the scene. He's sent to the attic because he gets in trouble. Um, His family is always against him, it seems. And there's a power outage in the middle of the night. They show the scene outside and Uh, a squirrel or something snips a power line and then you see that all of the alarm clocks in the house just go poof, right? And you're thinking, oh no. They have that early morning alarm clock set that now the power is out, what is going to happen? And there's the classic scene. It shows mom and dad in the bed with this huge cover over them. The alarm clocks are flashing because the power went out And the mom startles awake. We slept in. They jump out of bed. The house is chaos, right? People are coming down the stairs. Suitcases are being thrown. Kids are being dressed. They're they're rushing out of the house and they get in the van. They rush to the airport. They're running through the Chicago airport to catch their flight. They barely make it on time. They get on the plane, right? What a wake-up call. Have you ever been startled awake in your life? Raise your hand. Show me that there's signs of life out here. Okay, you're a little quiet. That was an animated opening to a sermon, and you're all like, I don't know what else I got today, okay? I know the Buckeyes lost, but come on. Wake-up calls like that are not fun. Derek in the Marine Corps, were you ever awoken by a drill instructor in a way that was a little unsettling? I watched that scene and I began to think of all of those times I've been startled awake. My drill sergeants in the army coming in and just throwing an empty bed over and it crashes and booms, throwing in smoke grenades into the bear. You wake up, what is happening? Wake up calls like that are disorienting, aren't they? That horrible feeling that, that I've missed my alarm, I've i i I've missed a deadline. But wake-up calls come to us in startling ways throughout our life, not just um, not just when we're being awoken from our physical slumber. But we all could name every one of us in this room could name a wake-up call that we've experienced emotionally, physically, relationally. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those thin moments in our lives that startle us, disorient us, where everything seems to stop, and all of the sudden, we start to see life with a greater focus and clarity. It's like our vision increases. Things become magnified for us. These sorts of wake-up calls come to us in many forms, Maybe you've had a startling wake-up call in your life when you unexpectedly lost your job. Or after 10 or 15 or 20 years of marriage, your spouse tells you that they want out. They're struggling. Or maybe the wake-up call came when you were you had some routine blood work done and the doctor said, I need you to come in for more tests. We think you have cancer. I received a wake-up call like this recently. It was a normal day in the office here at Prince of Peace and I saw my phone ring. I was in a morning staff meeting and a name flashed across my phone. I silenced my phone and it was the name of my former stepfather, Mark. He and my mom were married for 14 years during a really pivotal time in my childhood, my junior high years, high school years, early college years. Mark was my stepfather. Unfortunately, his relationship and my mom's relationship didn't work. It didn't last beyond that, but I've always looked back very fondly at the role that Mark played in my life. Mark was the one who taught me how to drive a car. Mark even attempted to teach me how to drive a stick shift on his 1967 Pontiac GTO in the Meyer parking lot, and boy, howdy, was that a mistake. (laughs) I never learned to drive stick (laughs) when you're learning on a muscle car with that much power. Mark was a good man. But like all of us, he was broken and flawed as well. And when his relationship with my mom ended, our relationship didn't. Mark and I still stay in touch. We still call one another and catch up about all sorts of things. I hadn't talked to Mark for a while, and so when I saw his name pop up, it it was uh, comforting to me to, to see his name come across my screen. I, I silenced it. I, I moved through the staff meeting later that day. I was in my office with somebody for a counseling session, and my pocket started to vibrate again and there was his name once more. I silenced it again. He's calling twice. That's a little bit strange. Went through the counseling session with a member, um, moved on to something else at work and I totally forgot about those two calls by the end of my day. You know how that happens to you. you. It registers somewhere but it's not front of mind. I drove home, I went to bed, I woke up the next day and I get a phone call again with Mark's name coming across. So I pick up and I answer. And on the other end of the line is Mark, but he's half coherent. I can't really make sense of everything he's saying, but I piece together through his mumbled conversation that he had been in the hospital for over two months with a serious infection, a series of infections. His foot had become infected and it had spread to his kidneys, to his liver, to his lungs. His body was holding on to CO2. And as a result, he was becoming pretty delirious. He was in and out of reality. And he just kept murmuring on the other end of the line, hospice, hospice, hospice. He's 57 years old. So I quickly call his sister to confirm what's happening with Mark and she confirms everything. Mark had been in the hospital for eight or 10 weeks at that point. He had a series of infections that they've tried to fight with every antibiotic known to the medical world and nothing was working. And the family was meeting in just a few days with the medical staff to determine if Mark would go into hospice. And his sister shared that Mark wanted to go into hospice. Mark was tired of suffering, tired of the pain, tired of all of the agony that he had been through. That's a wake-up call. I couldn't help but think about those calls that had come in the, the day before and how easy it was to hit silence. But all of the sudden with the impending reality that Mark's life might not be here much longer, my Google calendar all of a sudden didn't matter as much as it did the day before. The plans that I thought were so important could easily be canceled. And all I could think about was how quickly could I drive up to Port Huron, Michigan, to possibly say goodbye to a man that made a giant impact in my life. What sort of wake up calls have you received? Those thin moments where God seems to startle us from our slumber and remind us that today is not a dress rehearsal. Today is an opportunity given to us by God to love our families, to love our neighbors, to tell our spouses we love them, we forgive them, we care about them, to, to be more charitable, to be more hospitable. Why, why does it take so often tragedy or, or moments where we fear that we're going to lose something for us to live with great intention? Why can't we live that way every day of the week? I don't know, I know that we're human and I know that we easily get distracted and I know that we easily start worrying about the wrong things. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus has been speaking, he's pontificating page after page if you have a red letter Bible, it's just page after page of Jesus teaching and preaching and sharing sort of an apocalyptic vision Jesus is sharing things that are startling to his disciples. He's talking about the destruction of the temple. Look at these wonderful buildings. Jesus says it's all gonna come crumbling down. When the son of man comes again, he'll be coming on the clouds with with fire. It's, It's all of this great imagery. And the disciples' burning question is, when, Lord, when will it happen? When will this great thing take place that will startle us and wake us up? to what's happening. Their question is centered around how will we know when you're inviting us to live wide awake? (laughs) And his response is interesting. His response is nobody knows exactly when this will happen. Quit looking for the signs. Look, I don't even know when God will send me again at the second coming. I don't even know. And then he points to the example of Noah. He says, Remember the story of Noah? People were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that the flood came. But he draws their attention to Noah. Noah was never told by God, On this day, at this time, the heavens will open and the rain will come. God simply told Noah, Build an ark. Give yourself to something. Get busy fulfilling your mission, not worrying about when the rain will come and things will start pouring down. Just give yourself to the work that is set before you. We would all love to know the exact day and hour when the heart attack will happen to us, right? If we knew that, we would be sitting in the waiting room of the emergency department, right? We'd just be sitting there waiting, But that's not how life works. Jesus here, I believe, is actually trying to orient people away from predicting the future, away from needing to to focus on when is the wake-up call coming? He's trying to orient them to live out their faith here and now, Every day. Don't just wait like somebody who's waiting for a thief to come in the night. Don't become alert only when you think you're going to be broken into. Rather, focus on your mission. Focus on living your life today with great intention, with great purpose. Christians for 2,000 years, different stripes and strands, have given way too much time to predicting the second coming of Christ going to happen at this day or this hour. Look at the signs. Look what's happening uh, over in Ukraine. Look what's happening, these earthquakes. Look, Look at all of these things happening. I think Jesus is still shaking his head at us, saying, I have planted you on the earth right now, with a purpose, and it's not to predict when the great second coming of Christ is about to happen. I have planted you on this earth right now to live as if the fullness of God's reign is already true. And so what does that look like? It looks like neighbor loving neighbor. It looks like friend loving enemy. It looks like charitable, hospitable hearts that aren't afraid to tell people that they are loved that they are welcomed, that they are included. The best thing we can do in an uncertain world is to give ourselves wholly to a life of purpose and mission. This is what it means to live wide awake. This new year at Prince of Peace and this new year in your own personal life, my prayer is that we collectively and you individually would live with great intention great purpose, wide awake to the opportunities around us and around you to live and love like Jesus. The opportunities are endless. And as we give ourselves to that mission, well then, as life happens, as things come that are unexpected, we will know that even though we get shaken up and rattled by these things, We will know that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday are also lived with the same kind of clarity, purpose, and intention. It's sort of like this. Every Sunday, I set, Saturday evening, I set three alarms on my phone. I'm one of those people 701, 703, 705. Brianna doesn't have an alarm. It doesn't have an alarm clock. But somehow, some way, that girl is up at 6:45 on Sunday morning. It's almost as if she's anticipating Sunday. She doesn't need to be startled or woken up. The pastor does. <laughs> I want to live more of my life anticipating the new day dawning. Not needing to be jostled to attention because it's already here. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.